I am one of the co-founders and chief operating officer for the Stafford Boxing Club Incorporated, our nonprofit organization, which is a yearly mentoring program for at-risk youth in the community. So we will be able to teach financial literacy, communication, discipline, decision-making, as well as campaigning for a premium education. These are the foundation for the Stafford Boxing Club, these 20 mentees in our program here at Panola Way Elementary School. 20 years from now, Stafford Boxing mentees will be known across the world. Hey, what's up, what's up, what's up? You know I'm about that, baby. Ooh, y'all, you know what's up. What's up? What's up then, uh, Miss Sheila? You looking all good, swole. You. you feel me? Like you looking all whew, luxurious, <laughs> respectfully. Yeah. You know what it yeah. is. Baby. Yes. Man, the Stafford showed and went international, man. I know. Because, For real, man. Because we have a guest. Man. That's all the way. I don't know which. I don't know which way to point, but it's Man, one of he, these ways. He, he over yonder. Yeah. He over yonder on the island. I know. That's Surrounded by time. water. I know. Yes, Lord. That's what we like. Yeah. So, baby, let's go ahead and introduce this fighter, man, because he's doing big things over yeah, in this country. Yeah, he really is. Not only, real. not only does Larry Holmes support him, but the WBC has called him the new Ottawa. Gatti. Okay. And he is also the UBO International or Intercontinental Champion. Champion. He a champion. Yes. And yes. Like we said, he's all the way in one of these directions man, in he, Malta. Man, he. He's a great boxer. I really like his style, and he's very aggressive. That's one of the reasons why. He's a married WBA, man now, too. Yes, he is, and that's why. He's the, a father, too. Yes, and that's why the WBC, uh, the World Boxing Council, for those who don't know, gave him that title because he's very aggressive, and when you do look at him and watch him, he is about his business. You bought that light. So, everybody, we want to introduce Christian to the show, and I have him to pronounce his name because I don't want to be disrespectful like that. And I was I was rehearsing while you, you and him were talking, and I just totally got tongue-tied. Christian, what's up, man? I'm here, and don't worry about it. Everybody gets uh, the pronunciation wrong. So you wouldn't have been the first one, and I wouldn't have been offended either. Hey, listen, so please do the honor yes. and introduce yourself to our viewers, Yes, our supporters. Okay, so I'm Christian Chopos Camry. Um, I'm from Malta. It's a tiny island in the Mediterranean. We're only like half a million people over here, and it's uh, 23 kilometers in length, the island. So it's quite tiny. But we've got a very, very rich history. And uh, yeah, I'm a pro boxer. I'm a, I have 33 fights now. Um, and uh, 23 wins. And uh, I've been doing this for 11 years. And I gave my heart and soul to it. And uh, yeah, I just love it. I love, I love the sport. I love the sport. 
It changed well, my life. We could already tell that you love the sport just because of your fighting style and what you're doing in and out of the boxing ring. Because one of one of the impressive things too was that you met with the prime minister. You had an official meeting with your prime minister at Malta too. Yes. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yes, we did. That was uh, back in 2019. Um, uh, I won the UBO Intercontinental title. And along with uh, along with another Monty's uh, Monty's boxer on the same show, and uh, they invited us to have an audience with the prime minister because there aren't many boxers from Malta who have won international titles, um, pro boxers. So I think we're only four now. Four people have won international titles. So uh, when we did, they uh, they invited us, and it was nice. I actually felt proud. I'm not really a politics guy, but I mean, when you go into the when you go into the one of the official buildings, um, which is about 500 years old, 600 years old, and very few people actually get to go 500 years old. It was built in in the 1600s. Um, very few people get to go into that building. Um, over the year, I mean, just politicians and people with uh, special audiences. Of course, you feel like that. Then, like, damn, I'm, I must be doing something, you know? For sure. So, how did you get started in the sport of boxing? Uh, it's a long story. I've got, um, I've, well, my my father's side of the family, and even my granddad's from my mom's side of the family. Like, they the the ultimate like tough guys, most of them, like the alpha males. And so fighting was just something that you you do when you were a kid. I used to practice martial arts, um, karate, Shotokan karate, but uh, then I switched over to football, which is your soccer. And uh, after, after a bit, I started getting uh, bored with it. And I transitioned back to fighting, just kickboxing and boxing. Initially to keep fit, but after a month, the kickboxing coach asked me if I wanted to travel with them for the experience. And I said, listen, if I'm traveling, I'm, I'm coming for a fight. You know, I'm not going to come just to cheerlead from the side. And he said, yeah, because in kickboxing, there's light contact and full contact. Because there we do one light contact. I'm like, I told him, like, look at me. You think I'm a guy who can go on for two light contact? <laughs> and then before that, um, my, my the, the the boxing coach, he asked me if I wanted to fight as well. And after three months, which was in October, I had my first I had my first boxing amateur fight. It wasn't very graceful, granted, but uh, yeah, I won that one. So yeah, the, that's how I started initially to keep fit after after stopping uh, soccer because I had been, I used to train like every day, soccer. So I was like, I'm not going to stop from one thing to another. But then once I got in the ring and sparred for the first time, I was hooked and gotcha. just wanted to doing it and doing it. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Now you spoke a little bit about the boxing culture, culture from where you're from, but how how is it like, like in the UK, 
like no, you know, they have like everybody gets together, they support whether it's female or male, everybody's coming together, everybody's coming to those fights. So how is it where you're at? Uh we have quite a bit of people, quite a quite a good attendance. I mean, we're not gonna get like thirty thousand in a stadium. Yeah. Like soccer is the, the the most popular sport and, and they get like maybe two thousand a match. But when we have the pro boxing shows, we always have between uh, 800 and 1,200 spectators. And uh, the, the people get, get up for the most is uh, when two local fighters fight each other. That's when a lot of people show up towards the fights, you know. Even me. I mean, here, here it works like that you have you sell tickets. Like in the UK, you sell tickets to get paid, basically. You get a commission on the tickets. And when you're fighting another local fighter, like people just keep asking you for tickets, 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 because they get really excited. And the atmosphere in the, in the arena, when you're fighting another local fighter, is, uh, is different than when you're fighting an international fighter. Granted, my fights, they're always usually... 50-50 most of them, even when I'm fighting international fighters and uh, they're close affairs. So there's always a good atmosphere. But uh, when you're fighting other local fighters, that's when like the real big atmosphere comes up. So is it fair to say like you are the face of boxing in Malta? Nah, I wouldn't call myself the face, but I, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Uh, but uh, I'm one of the most popular guys, yes. And I've been doing it for, uh, at the moment, it's just me and another two guys that have been doing it for quite a long time and at, uh, at a good level. So it's me, Hayden Lamuz, and uh, Steve Martin. And uh, But yeah, I'm, I'm quite popular on the island. I, I sell quite a bit of tickets um, every fight. And uh, I've been on some TV shows, some podcasts, radio, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm quite popular. So, if you're popular, that means that you're the face. I mean, respectfully, I mean, I know you, I know that you're trying to be humble and stuff like that, but okay, so not all the fighters, not, one of the, not all the fighters get an opportunity to meet the prime minister, though. Come on now. Yeah, true, true. One of the faces. Let's say I'm one of the faces of boxing. Okay. Respect. Okay. I like that. I like that. Thank so you. what are some of the challenges that you have faced being a boxer and how have you overcome them? Um, That's a good question. Yeah, again, again, spend the whole hour, hour and a half just talking. <laughs> nah, so first, the, the main difficulty that we had like my my generation that the next generations will not have is uh, the the lack of experience that there was um, within coaching mm. and there is such a small island we never had a very good boxing history um, so the coaching that there was wasn't the best it wasn't bad but again it wasn't the best and uh, so then after 
I went pro and went to London for the first time for training. I realized it. And uh, the sparring as well. Sparring uh, in and around your weight class is quite hard to come by. Like, I I'm, I fight at middleweight, but I still spar sometimes welterweights and like heavyweights and cruiserweights because sometimes you just can't get the sparring, you know? And the only way to, to, to get around that is to travel. And that's how I got around that. And in the beginning, I just used to work full time and I used to invest my money back into the sport just to, and any money I made from fights, from ticket sales, from the fight, I used to invest it back by traveling outside. I used to go to London a lot in the beginning. And uh, any anybody who came to Malta and asked me like, listen, I need some sparring. Are you available? I'm like, even if I was, I don't know how to say, like very busy, I would still just live, say, drop everything. I'm like, fuck it, I'll go spar. You know, it's like not any, not every day uh, a guy with like 15 pro fights messages you on Facebook and tells you, listen, I need some sparring I'm in the country. Can you come over? And when I knew about coaches who were here and were open to, to train people, um, there was Barry Smith. He used to come over, um, over, over here. He's when you know the guy for sure. Um, he's the big guy in the corner with uh, Ben Davison. You know Ben Davison, the guy who was training Tyson Fury. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so usually he's always in the corner with him. And he used to come over to Walter quite a lot. He's here at the moment. And um, and yeah, that's how. But then it started to get a little bit easier when I started to get some more sponsorships. The more I won fights and made the name for myself, mm-hmm. I got uh, sponsorships. Um, and that made it easier. That made it, I, at one point, like before COVID, I was like traveling every couple of months just to go for a week or two to train someone. So let me ask you a question. What old school fighters inspired you in terms of creating your style of fighting as you enter into the ring? Uh, in the beginning, it was all about I was trying to be Mike Tyson. Okay. <laughs> uh, but then I, I still like most of the fight when I when I'm killing time, I'm watching old school fights. I, I watch a lot of fights over the weekend. Like this weekend, I watched uh, the Joshua fight and Chidora mm-hmm. on the undercard. And then so I what do you think about that fight? Valdez and Navarrete. Ah, that fight. I'm like, the Joshua fight. I'm like, give the guy a break. I mean, he had a guy in front of him who was 6'9", 6'8", weighed more than him. Yeah, it was a late notice, and he was going to box a guy who was, like, very different to the guy he was boxing. And... Uh, he was setting up the shot that he knocked him out with for like five or six rounds before that. Because he was like on jab to the head, jab to the body, and then like fainting the right hand, going down up and down. He was using the jab a lot. He was being responsible. He was boxing. When he found the right opportunity and he threw the right hand and connected, it was lights out. Yes, it wasn't as fast as Deontay Wilder knocked him out, but, uh, but still, I think he did a good job. Were you impressed by the fight? 
Nah, the fight itself was boring. But most heavyweights fights are yeah. boring anyways. It's like they throw a punch every 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 what my wife said. She said the white the, the fight was boring. It's because but but most heavyweights fights are boring. Like look at look at like for example Luis Ortiz versus Deontay Wilder. Yeah. The second one. Luis Ortiz was just using the jab most of the time and Wilder was just waiting for the opening. The knockout is crazy. Like he's out cold on the floor. But still the whole fight itself is not, not very nice. Most heavyweight fights are like that, in my opinion at least. Because you you're a guy who's like 230 pounds, 240 pounds, 205 pounds. How the, that muscle requires a lot of oxygen. So you're not going to be able to throw as many punches as a lightweight or a middleweight. Like if you watch the Joshua fight and straight after you watch Navarrete versus Oscar Valdez, I think it's like you would think that you're watching two completely different sports. So let me ask you a question because one of our supporters sent in a question. Who was your toughest opponent and why? Uh I can name I can name a couple. I can name a couple. Uh, the, the two guys I fought uh the first, not the first one. I fought the first guy abroad in Rome. Um he that that wasn't a tough fight. He outpointed me, but that wasn't a fight. The 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 guy I fought in Switzerland. It was that fight because I got hit quite a bit in the beginning and I went in with a cut which wasn't already hit. So like uh, the first round, first jab he popped me, it split open after that scar. And uh, in England, I had a tough fight versus uh, versus Heaney, Nathan Heaney as well. Um, I got a few punches there that, that I felt that I, because we fought with Mexican gloves as well. How many ounces were they? They were 10 ounces, but wow. the, the Adidas ones, the, like the, the, the ones that are the Mexican style, they're just filled with horse hair, all of them. Like last fight, I fought with a pair of Cletos, and they were like a combination of padding and horse hair, and it makes the world of difference. The last fight was tough for the first couple of rounds because he oh, had... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You said horse skin? Horse hair. Horse skin. Horse hair. Yeah, horse. Horse, right? Horse hair, yeah. No, the, like the gloves inside yes. Yes. are filled with horse hair, not padding. Ah. Mexican gloves. Ah. So that, and okay. uh, so the, you were feeling the punches more. Gotcha. It wasn't a very heavy puncher, but you can still feel like the knuckles going through. Not like when you're fighting with normal gloves, like gotcha. with fighting gloves. And then the last fight was uh, was a bit tough because I couldn't get, I didn't get his timing in the first round and he started fast. So when I was slipping and throwing in the middle of his punches, I was only throwing one punch in the beginning. And he continued to, to punch with me. And at one point he hit me with a with the left on the temple, a left hook on the temple, and my legs went a little bit. A few seconds later, I almost knocked him down with a right hand to the chin. Um, but his legs recovered better than mine. So he kept a high pace in the second as well. And then I had to really dig deep and like keep going forward and throwing punches like one after the other. I was trying to hit him everywhere. Like 
body, shoulders, head, chin, whatever. And and I, I pulled that out. So yeah, that like the last fight, I had to really dig deep. But the fights where I where I think were my toughest fights, like as in where I got hit clean as well as hitting myself, it was Nathan Heaney and uh, Ramadan Hisani in Switzerland. Gotcha. Oh, no, because I thought you had another one and then I'll go after. Oh, so the other thing is like in terms of, you know, boxing is a mental sport and every boxer has their own uh, regimen in terms of how they mental prepare for a fight. Our previous guest, uh, Mia Ellis, she said that if a fighter is not mentally there, they shouldn't enter into a fight. So what do you do to prepare mentally for a fight? And also, what do you prepare? Excuse me. How do you prepare physically for a fight? Like what's your training from a physical standpoint and what is your training from a mental standpoint? Now, from a mental standpoint, I do a lot of uh, visualization. Visualization. Um, um, I try to imagine how a fight will go, what I want to do in the fight and what my opponent will uh, do in the fight. And I imagine good scenarios and bad scenarios as well. Like not just me slipping and countering or just putting the pressure on. I imagine getting hit, like being actually physically hurt and having to continue through it. Because when you do that, it adds layers in your brain. So that when you actually experience it, it's not like it's the first time. You know, it helps when you find film on fighters. But like last fight, I couldn't find anything on the guy except like a 30 seconds video of him hitting the pad, the pads. So I didn't know what to expect. It happened to me to fight before that as well. I fought a local guy. I had seen him fight a couple of times and I probably underestimated him a little bit. And everybody was telling me that he was going to come out one way and like putting a lot of pressure on and stuff like that. And I, that's what I thought as well. And then when he came out, um, I was surprised because even all my my sparring was uh, geared towards people putting pressure on me. So uh, then the first couple of rounds, three rounds, I'm like, dude, what the fuck, he's just waiting for me all the time, you know? And uh, and then after that, then I started going back into the fight and it ended in a draw. But that's the thing. I didn't visualize different scenarios and I didn't visualize um different things that could happen in the fight they only visualize the positive things so when the unexpected happened it was unexpected it wasn't something like uh, i already thought about this you know i know what i need to do and i had to adjust on the fly now with regards to to physical training i i get bored easily so i change a lot but the like i box every day monday to friday mm. Um, so usually I do that either at 11 in the morning or at, uh, two or 3 PM in the afternoon. So in between uh, my morning lessons and my evening lessons, because I coach as well full time at the gym. That's my main source of income. And, uh, then in the morning, early in the morning, um, sometimes at five and sometimes at six, mostly at six. Because I try to um, not train people at six anymore. Um, I uh, I do my conditioning. So before last fight, 
I was I did a, a 12 week weight training program but I didn't feel as good with it I didn't feel my usual speed and my uh, bounce in my legs it was personalized with a strength boxing strength training uh, guys in the UK boxing science and uh, which are very good at, which they are very good at what they do and uh, I go for my runs early in the morning or I do my circuits early in the morning so you're talking about 6 a.m um, a run or maybe five sparring and I want to save my legs if I'm feeling tired I might just shadow box a little bit and do mental training um, sometimes I push myself hard. I do like a, a red zone circuit. It's called where you get your heart rate going, like boom, boom, like spike your heart rate off. And um, and then in the afternoon or late morning, I do uh, boxing. Right now I'm working with, a, uh, with 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 another guy. It's funny. I fought him three times. Scott Dixon. He's uh, mm-hmm. he's very well known on the island as well. And we fought three times, and uh, now he's training me. He's holding pets for me two times a week. Because, I mean, he can't buy experience, and he's the most experienced guy on the island. So, I mean, he can help me, um, and he wants to. I was like, yeah, great, sure. Then I spar another two times a week when I'm close to a fight. And when I'm not close to a fight, I just, like, hit the hit the... Heavy bag, apart from pads and double end bag. I love the double end bag and the speed bag as well. So, so let I'm me ask you another question. Yeah, because that's that's a lot. I bro. had to take. Let me let me ask him this real quick before I forget. So, since you're talking about your training and what you do and how many days out the week, you are a vegan, correct? Are you- I was. I was a vegan. I was. Okay, why did you stop? As I had, uh, I had an eye injury with my retina, and uh, the doctor suggested that I start eating uh, more fish and fatty foods so that uh, it has a better chance of recovery. So I started doing it, and then I just continued. And uh, I had taken some blood tests, and my blood tests were, in, my blood levels were very good. They were all either low or uh, or just over the lower threshold of the level that I should have been. And uh, the doctor told me, listen, you're an athlete. You have to change the way you eat because your bloods are all over the place. And then after I changed, um, my my blood levels, like my hemoglobin, hormones, and stuff like that, the red blood cell count, it all went up quite a bit. So then I changed. I'm not saying that the vegan diet is bad or that you have to eat meat. I'm just saying that it just didn't, at that moment in time, it wasn't agreeing that much with me, you know, and uh, I kept going like this. Stuff. So you had talked about how you have to sell tickets and stuff like that. Does yeah. that take away from your training or does, or is, have you adapted to that type of, you know, part uh, of the I've, I've, I've adapted now. I've adapted now. In the beginning, it would take me a lot more time, but now, Usually, I message and text a lot of people like a month before the fight. Then I text again a week later. And then in the last two weeks, I just shift the tickets. Plus, I shift a lot at the gym as well because I work in a really big gym. There's like two or 3,000 members. 
like with uh, and with memberships, like when they sign up for a year, six months, and stuff like that. And I'm quite an outgoing guy. I I know a lot of people and I have a lot of friends. So when I'm fighting, I tell them, "Listen, I'm fighting. You want to come?" And they say, "Yeah, sure." And uh, I shift it out like that. It still takes away from your training, and you have to promote yourself a lot because you have to keep your you have to keep your you have to keep yourself in uh, in the people's eyes. You know that you're still training, you're still you're still there, you're still boxing. You know, and um, you have to make sure that you're you're visible. You're over there on social media. So then when when you're fighting, there is actually an interest in people seeing wanting to watch you fight. So it never takes time away from my training, but it does take time away from resting, which is very important. But it's part of the job and you have to do it, you have to do it. Are there any non-fighters that have had a significant influence in your life? Because you talked about Mike Tyson, who is a professional boxer, but are there any type of people who are non-fighters that have inspired you to become the best fighter that you can be? My dad was never a pro fighter, but he was, uh, but he's been a very, very, very big influence in my life. I owe him and my mom as well. I owe them everything because. Uh, my dad, especially, he instilled a great sense of self-discipline in me. He always pushed me to go to training when I was a kid. And uh, that if it wasn't for him and how much he tried to keep me away from drugs and drinking and stuff like that, I don't think I would be where I am right now. And, uh, and then... With uh, regards to famous people, I would say I was a big martial arts fan. So Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris, Jean-Claude Van Damme, <laughs> like all these all these legendary figures. They, I always like try to look at the way they trained in the movies and stuff like that. They threw the splits, stretch every day. Uh, when I did karate, so yeah, they inspired me as well. So and Street you, Fighter, Street Fighter, the 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 anime. So you said that, uh, well, earlier before we came on air, we were doing a lot of talking. I was like, man, we got to say this until we get on the air. So I kind of wanted to backtrack. I want to talk about like the population in uh, Malta. And so uh, what's the language that y'all speak? Because I see that you do speak English, but you also speak, it, the English has a little twist to it. Yeah, I speak I speak Maltese. Uh, the the main language in, in Malta is Maltese. Okay. So when kids are growing up, everybody speaks Maltese to them. Most of them anyways. Then then we learn English in school and we learn other languages as well in school. Um you have to learn a third language in school as well. But the main language uh, the main language in Malta is Maltese. The two official languages are Maltese and English. I have a little twist as well because I've been uh, I've been working like part time and full time since I was 15 years old, 16, and uh, I've worked with a lot of uh, foreign people and I've traveled a lot. So of course you're going to of course you're going to pick up an accent here and there. Hey man, listen, I want you to say something in, in a Maltese. Like I want you to say. 
the Stafford show, you know, is a good show, and I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be on it. And, you know, I'm looking forward to coming back after I get this WBC belt and, uh, I don't know, some other stuff. Uh, the Stafford, the Stafford boxing show, or was show Vera Taia, or Vera Content, let them there with Stony Fool, or Vera Nishia, Nerjan Court, Nerjan, the Fortuner program, Wara, the Mirbach, a Chintorin, WBC. Baby, hmm. baby, hmm. baby, we official, we official. <laughs> Hey, man, we official. Ooh, do, you have, do you have a fight coming up? I have a fight coming up on the 30th of September. I fought oh. on the 21st of July, but I'm going to go back out on the 30th of September. Um, I'm looking forward to it, actually, because uh, last training camp was a bit of a slow start because I, uh, I had a staph infection in my elbow, which I had to oh, get God. operated on. Yeah, so then after I got out of hospital, I went straight to the gym. And I trained for three weeks, made weight and fought. So I'm looking forward to this fight uh, where I can like train for eight weeks, solid, and go in the ring. Who's gonna? Who's the opponent? I don't know yet. They're still confirming. Oh. I just leave it in the before. I used to be on uh, on my manager and the promoter. Who's the guy? Who's the guy? Who's the guy? And now I'm just listening. It's like. I, I realized how much I used to annoy them. So I'm like, listen, <laughs> when, you, when you know, just let me know and I'll be there. <laughs> what what so. was your, because um, I think like you had a relationship or you still probably do with Henry Wharton? Yes, yes, yes. yes. I went, well, um, the guy you spoke to, Mark, mm -hmm. he lived in New York for a very long time. And he used to interview him because in New York, he's like a huge celebrity because he fought for the WBC title twice, three times, but lost decisions both times. And every time he fought the champion, they said that he was the one who gave them the toughest fight. Hmm. And he had talked to him about me and they came to Malta for a couple of days to with their fighters to spar me. And uh, when they were here, they offered me a fight in Stoke. And uh, I was like, listen, I don't have anybody to train me at, with at the moment. If you tell me that you're going to train me and corner me, I'll come up and, fi and fight. fight." So then we, we, we agreed everything. I went up to York for three weeks to train with him. Mm -hmm. And then I fought in Stoke. And, uh, and he cornered me. I had a very good opportunity to go live and work there, but unfortunately I couldn't take it because um, this was back in 2020. Yeah. And like uh, a few days after, like in the weeks I was in New York, mm -hmm. there was the whole panic brewing about COVID in the UK. And it was good that I didn't move because the UK spent like a year like under different kinds of lockdowns, gyms closed and stuff like that, because I was going to go take care of the gym. And then in the meantime, my wife was pregnant and uh, we had our daughter. So I was like, I don't want to mm -hmm. uproot the family and give them such a dramatic shock to go to a different country with a baby and stuff like that. So 
Then I said, listen, honey, I can't do it now. So how many fights do you have per year? Because, you know, in the United yeah. States, you know, they might fight like once every, I don't know, it seemed like what, once a year, twice a year? Yeah, if they're lucky, if, well, yeah, if they're able to, maybe three yeah. might be sometimes a limit depending on that person. But not really. Three would be the ideal, but yeah. really two, two. between yeah. one and two. But yeah. three would actually be the ideal, though. Uh, one year I fought six times. I that yeah. was 2000, 2016, I fought six times. Then there was 2019, I fought five times. But usually I fight three and four times a year. Um, but most of the shows are always regular. But because finances are quite tight, and if you don't have really good sponsors backing you, mm -hmm. or you don't sell a hell of a lot of tickets, um, you, you cannot go to that high level of an opponent to fight for good titles. Because it's, uh, um, I mean, most opponents, most guys, now we're charging between 300 and 400 euros per round. So if you're fighting eight rounds and he's charging 300, that's going to be 816, 2400 euros. And then you have the the expenses of the coach and the fighter flying in and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So the promoter will tell you, like, listen, hold your horses, you know. <laughs> it's like, but uh, but yeah, a lot of shows happen regularly. So you have a, a great opportunity to keep active and build up your record and keep your name out there. And then if you're investing in yourself and then because you don't make that much money, but then you can go and fight abroad and get uh, better fights over there. So let me ask you a question. Number one, I, well, it's a two part question. How did you meet your wife? At the gym. Oh, really? <laughs> we met at the gym, yeah. She was sitting in the back, and I went up to her, talked to her. And, uh, and yeah, we started dating, and uh, we kept dating. And then I think two years later, yeah, two years later, we got married. Wow. I was, yeah. I was also reading that the ring bearers were the sponsors' uh, children. Yeah, 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 my because I uh, uh, during that time I was training all of the their children as well, and I used to see them every day. And we didn't have young children in my family, so I said, "Listen, do you want your kids to be the ring bearers?" And they, they would, would be really honored and grateful. And I'm like, "Yeah, sure, it was, it was nice." So and Emilio, Valentin, and Ellie. Yeah. So the other thing is like. Now that you married, how does uh, your wife, like, I guess, look at you being a fighter? You know, like, it's it's one thing when you were, like, dating. dating but now, yeah. since you're a husband and wife, the fact that she see guys hitting you and, and all this other type mm -hmm. stuff and, you know, the love and bond that y'all have for each other is on a different level. So how long do you think you're going to continue to uh I guess, tolerate that type of punishment yeah. in the sport of boxing? Uh, well, in the beginning, at, at one point, like a couple of years ago, she was asking me to stop when, uh, because 
when we first met, like 2017, I had just turned pro like about a year and a half before. So the fights weren't that tough. So she used to be like really happy to come and watch me fight and stuff like that. But then when I went up a level or two, and the fight started getting tougher and you started getting cuts and she sees you like getting punched and you're tripping, you fight down on your mouthpiece and you fight back. Um, she was asking me to like, listen, to pack it in. Um, but I told her, it's like, I'm too young to pack it in. I'm only, I was 29 back then and I'm 31 now. And I know I have a few good years left in me because I, I, I live the athlete life. I don't drink. I only drink occasionally. I don't smoke. I don't do any drugs. I train every day religiously. Like after fights, I take three days off and I go back in the gym. So I'm always in shape. And now she accepted that it's kind of like, it's me, you know? I don't want to be one of those guys that keeps fighting until they're like 43 or 45 or 40, because I want to enjoy my kids, like, growing up, because I know that I have a very busy, busy day. And, uh, but she's accepted. She's accepted. So uh, she's nervous. She's very nervous when she comes to the fights. Um, so I don't think, like, before I used to go out and uh, speak to people before and speak to her before the fight, but now I just lock myself in my dressing room because I don't want that nervous energy <laughs> before the fight. Um, but, I mean, she's nervous, she's afraid, but she's accepted as well. She knows the dangers. So, but again, she she's an equestrian rider as well, my wife. So, like the horse jumping? Yeah. So I told her, I mean, listen, it's not like you're playing tennis or something. It's quite a dangerous sport as well. So, like, leave a man be, you know? <laughs> so, now, there is an emergence for women in the sport of boxing. Yes. And so, you have a young daughter, right? Uh -huh. And so, your young daughter sees you go to the gym. She watches you, et cetera, et cetera. So, would you allow your daughter to enter into the boxing industry, being that now the, the future is extremely bright for female fighters, even though there might not be a lot of female fighters in Malta, but I'm pretty sure by the time that she gets of age and get to that level where she may have an interest in fighting, would you allow her to enter into the boxing industry? Yeah, of course I would. Of course. Wow. And um, well, one thing is like, if she would want, I would not push her. But if she would want to do it, I would encourage her. That's one thing. Second thing, whether she wants to or not, she needs to learn how to defend herself because the world is a nasty place. So she needs to learn how to throw a punch at someone in their nose and just run away. So that's the thing. Third thing, of course, I would have my reservations um, because it is a tough sport. You have to dedicate your life to it. I mean, you have your dreams, you have your goals, and then you might dedicate your life to it and end up empty hands anyways. But uh, to me personally, even though I'm not a world champion or anywhere close, um, I it changed my life. It changed my life for the better. 
a lot. I, I mean, I stopped all my bad habits because when I was a teenager, we used to get into like bar fights every other weekend and used to drink it's crazy. Like, the amount I used to drink back then, if I did it now, I would like. And um, like money wise as well, I make a decent amount of money. Like, so I owe a lot to the sport of boxing as well. So would you be her trainer as well as her manager? Of course, of course. We already knew um, that. <laughs> no, yeah. Of course, I wouldn't. Let, oh, I know this. You know, I'm her dad. <laughs> yeah, but it's a shiesty business, and yeah. he and he knows. It's just like with Mia and her dad. Yeah, and yeah, she was yeah. like, "I trust my dad because they'll say you'll get this certain amount of money." But then you're really not getting that money because they're taking a big hunk of a percentage out, leaving the boxer empty. like empty handed. And they're like, what in the world? So pretty much like when you finish, when you are finished with boxing, you're uh -huh. not going to go anywhere from it. You're, are you still going to be a part of it? Of course, I can see yeah, like training and shows. Yes, I want to. I want to. I want to keep training people for sure. I want to have my my own gym, my own small gym, nothing big, um, to keep training people in. And uh, I want to help out in some official capacity as well, like either referee and maybe help out in the association and stuff like that. Because I, I read a lot. I've been reading a lot for a long time about boxing. Mm -hmm. So I know how stuff works when it comes to being manager, matchmaker, promoters, what they do, what they don't do, what mm -hmm. they try to do to get to the boxers. And I always want to be there for the boxers, you know? Well, I mean, I dabbled into promoting as well, um, a little bit. And so I understand uh, from the promoter side as well. So I think I would, I. I think it would be a, a shame if I didn't stay involved in the sport of boxing and because I have uh, a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience in the few years that I've been. Well, I've been boxing for 11 years now. Um, so I think that it would be a shame if I didn't pass it off. And with you saying that about you doing a lot of reading and of course you do have experience and you've been studying, in the sport of boxing, brrr, drum roll, please. What would be something that you would change that you see, or some changes that you just that you know is just flat out not right? So I would um, drug testing. Drug testing needs to be like overhauled. Everybody needs to be drug tested. I mean, like the associations need to be to account that everybody, every fighter needs to be drug tested, even if it's just a random piss test, not the blood testing, but everybody would have to do it. Like judges need to be held accountable. They need to explain why they give certain scores. And uh, like the, the, the whole organizations, like the big organizations, four of them is too much. There needs to be one that governs all like same rules, same criteria, one set of rankings. I mean, yes, it will create a big backlog for fighters fighting for titles, but still, I think the way it is at the moment is too too decentralized. Like even in the USA, like you have 
how many states? 52? Or 52? 52. Mm-hmm. 52. We have 52 state athletic commissions with their own set of rules, own standards, own guidelines, their own judges, their own referees. And in every state, it's almost to each his own. Yes, you have the ABC, the Association of Boxing Commissions, but it only goes so far, mm-hmm. you know? It's like when there was like, like Miller, when he was caught with drug testing, he wasn't licensed. So he wasn't going to get licensed in New York and he was applying for a license somewhere else. So that, because there's not just one, one agency, one, one organization that takes care of everything. Everything is like everybody is like to each their own, you know? Even the rankings, the way they work, it's not I fight you and if you're higher than me and I beat you, I take your place. I mean, you see it, like in some organizations, like all of a sudden a fighter is ranked 75 or 65, then the next week he's ranked number 13 conveniently for a mandatory title defense, you know? So, I mean, it's boxing yeah, and it's going to stay there for a long time, I think. <laughs> but, you know, Christian, I'm... I'm- I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm watching you and I feel very privileged and honored to to be interviewing you. And it's not so much from the boxing standpoint as being a boxer. It's like I'm talking to a living legend. Like in your country, you are a legend. Like when it's all said and done, you're going to impact the sport of boxing in Malta and you're going to pave the way for younger fighters. You're going to, I mean, you are an inspiration to your community. And like I was telling you earlier, like me and Sheila, we've been praying that God expand the Stafford show because we, we believe that we bring something unique to the boxing industry. Everybody has to find their niche. Right. And I believe like, because we don't have like a, a boxing background, but Sheila and I, we study, the sport because our inspiration is custom model, which is the, which was the trainer of Mike Tyson. And we read, you know, a lot of books, we read the books and and stuff like that. But the point of the matter is, is like, he always talked about character and he always talked about legacy and the impact. So I just believe that you are just beginning to uh, scratch the surface of the sport of boxing in Malta and like the fact that you are training these kids, you never know what these kids will become and how you're impacting these kids life. Like for instance, you say that you owe a lot of gratitude to the sport of boxing because it kept you out of bars. It kept you disciplined. It kept you off of drugs. It kept you, you know, just out of foolishness. The same thing that the sport of boxing has done for you, you are instilling those same things. So now it's like a ripple effect, like you are preparing generations. And so with your notoriety in Malta and you already meeting the prime minister who is extremely busy, he got a lot of pressure on him to run that country the way it's supposed to be run. I mean, you already, to me, in the spiritual realm, I'm looking at an individual that don't really understand the significant and the impact that he's contributing to the sport of boxing. Hopefully I make a significant impact 
Um, I try my best, especially when I'm training like teenagers and stuff like that, especially when they are interested in fighting, to bring them up the right way and like to give them a good word of advice so that they don't repeat the mistakes I made when I was younger. I mean, but that's not for me to say, you know, it's like, I mean, when it's all said and done, I mean, that, that's for other people to say, like, I want to have a big impact. I want to leave a good uh, good memory of me with the things I I do, not just with my fights, but other things with training people and helping boxing in general. Um, but then that's for other people to say, like, my impact, what, the, what it was. Well, be. I'm saying it now. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying it Thank because you. you are a very humble guy. And yeah. and, and I'm going to tell you, man, like I didn't know what to expect, but it was like we had immediately clicked as soon as you came on. And we when we were talking in the green room, it was like, man, OK, bet it's going to be a great show. And uh -huh. man, this has been a great show. Like, I, I, I mean, I can talk to you for hours because my mind keeps coming up with questions after questions after questions after questions. And so being that Malta is on an island, so what's the most popular dish? And, and like, you know, what's the fashion like? You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to get a visualization of, uh, of, of the culture there. Uh, traditional dishes, uh, very good traditional dishes, uh, rabbit. Rabbit like rabbit and stew. Um, or rabbit with tomato sauce. And uh, I mean, tradition, we're very big with local feasts, festas, they are called. It's like my hometown just had, uh, just had it yesterday. It's like the patron saint of the town. They get, you get a week where everybody's celebrating, not in a very religious way. It's just, there's the, there's the mass, but then there's the band marches through the streets every evening for a weekend like people are jumping behind the band and singing with the band and a lot of drinking and celebrating and stuff um yeah we're as a country it's a roman catholic country as well uh we're quite family oriented as a country yeah. as well like because it's such a small island like the kids might leave house, but they're still about 10, 15 minute drive away or 20 minutes. So you still go to visit your family very often. Like I live 10 minute drive away from my parents. So I try to visit at least three times a week. Even if I just go for like 15, 20 minutes, I, I go quite often. And now with the little kid, they help, they help us um, take care of her when Maybe she's sick and she cannot go to the nursery or like right now the nurseries were shut down for summer holidays. So when me and my wife are working, she stays with my mom, her grandma. Because so, he got some dishes. You have some dishes named after you from at uh, restaurants? Yeah, I had, I had, I had a dish. Now, now uh, I had a dish. I had a burger, the Chocos burger. It burger? Was, uh, with a double vegan meat patty, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, Christian, man, I ain't gonna lie. Shout out to MWS Promotion. Exactly. And MWS Promotions. He's a great guy, Mark. And he's really good at his business as well. Christian, I ain't gonna lie, man. Man, 
Man, I'm proud of you, bro. I don't even know Thank you, but man, just talking to you, man, and like your your energy, like your maturity at the age of 31. Man, I, I'm man, bro. I knew he was gonna man, be a good listen, person bruh. when hey, I started. I'm proud at of you, bro. You don't you don't really understand how proud mm-hmm. I am of you. And I want to say to your mother and father, man, they've done a remarkable job instilling qualities in you, man. And I I, I can see that. And shout out to your wife, too. For real. Yeah, I mean, she she doesn't have it easy with me either. I mean, when you marry a fighter, you marry a job. So, I mean, she's supportive. She's quite supportive. I got one more question before we get out of here. And then Christy. he has to do a gold nugget. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to ask you one more question, and then I want you to end it with a gold nugget. A gold nugget is is wisdom, you know, advice that you will leave to viewers, to a young fighter, female, uh, male, boxer, whatever. So now I, I looked at your record, your boxing record, right? Okay. And I said to myself, you know, in your losses, you never did get knocked down. It was always by points, right? Yeah. And so I want to—I just want to understand what motivates you to get back up and continue to, you know, move forward. Because as you can see, the last fight, the mega fight with Earl Spence and Terrence Crawford, yeah. I really believe that that fight, that loss, really took something out of Earl. I mean, yeah. I saw some recent photos. He's taking a vacation, etc. And to be honest with you, I like both fighters. I really didn't want them to fight each other. But boxing is a business. Boxing yeah. is a business of hurting people, etc. So w- what, what inspires you to keep getting back up? And like, like I said, you never get you you never got knocked out, which is great. So the other part of that is what do you learn from them lessons? I don't call them losses, I call them lessons. And when can we see you become a a world champion, hold that green belt to WBC? Because I believe that those lessons that you learn. Is preparing you for that moment. Like I saw Terrence Crawford have like a parade, right? And so as I was talking to you and me and my wife, we had this discussion. So Floyd Mayweather has kind of, I mean, he's helped the industry, but he's hurt the industry in a way because every fighter thinks that without. (laughs) Correct. So a fighter thinks like, you know, if they don't, you know, Protect their oath, they cannot make it. Correct. And so, being that you have some lessons on your record, I don't think that those lessons will hinder you from getting that that title fight. You know what I mean? Because as a boxer, that's really what you really want. You want that opportunity. All those fights, all the training leads up to that one particular fight. And so I, I I just want to to hear from you like how how do you get back up and continue to move forward? Nah, I lost I lost some fights where I was really pissed off because like they were like close fights which I thought I should have won, and I'm and uh, like here at home and uh, I got losses, 
So those ones are really hard to take. Those ones, those ones are the ones that when you really think you won, where you know you won, but you still lose, that that's when I that's the only few times I've thought about backing it in, you know. And I started boxing late, and I can see the difference in myself. Like after fights, I always get that little bit better. That's why I, I'm still I, I'm still very passionate about it and trying to perfect myself. But um, I know I still have good fights left in me. I still haven't reached some targets that I set out for myself. So that's why I'm still working so hard. And uh, I mean, yes, you lose, but I lost. I was never going to go unbeaten anyways because I took my first pro fight on two weeks' notice because one of my teammates pulled out and I said, fuck it, I'll do it instead. It was a 10 rounder and I lost on points and majority decision. So my first fight was a loss. Then I came back and I won some. Then I went to Italy and I lost on points, which I thought was a very wide decision, which was bullshit. But then I came back and continued fighting. So, you know, I so I love it. I love fighting. I still have objectives that now I set my mind to. And I said, listen, I'm not going to allow anything to, anything to deviate from the, this path that I, I want to achieve, these goals that I want to achieve. Um, so nothing will deviate me from the path that I need to be on. And I mean... It's like, yeah, you get pissed off when you lose and you're like, why did I do that badly? Or like, why was he better than me? I trained hard, blah, blah. But then I always give myself one more shot, you know, because again, I started boxing late. Like I started boxing every day when I was 20 years old, when I was 10, 20 years old. And that was still the first two years I was doing kickboxing and boxing. I have I had no amateur experience. We had like white collar fights. Um, back then there was no amateur boxing, so the level wasn't that good. And I, like I told you, I didn't have the best of coaching in the beginning. So now that I have it, I have like more of a semblance of how a pro fighter's life who achieves things should be. I think it would be stupid of me to throw it all away now. You know, yes, I have nine losses. And yes, the boxing business, the way it works, is not going to be kind to me in getting the opportunities that I want to. But I mean, you just have to keep stringing together wins and uh, making sure that you don't, uh, that, that you win and you win in impressive fashion and that you don't lose. And then the, the opportunities will come. I mean, Freddie Pendleton, you know who Freddie Pendleton is? You say what? Freddie Pendleton, you know who Freddie Pendleton is? No. Freddie Pendleton, an old-time fighter. I think he used to fight in the 80s. Um, he started out as a journeyman. He lost, like, his first 11 fights in America. Oh, then yeah. He, oh, oh, that's what uh, Mustafa uh, was talking oh, about. Okay. Yeah. Then he started training, and he won I don't know how long, and he ended up winning, I think, the IPF World Championship, one or the other. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if he can do it, why can't other people do it? You know what, Christian, I, I really uh, see you getting that opportunity, man. And I want you to continue to be who you are, man. I, I see nothing but great things happening for you, man. Number one is that you're a family man. 
And I believe that when you get married, you get blessings, you get favor, you get opportunities that you normally wouldn't get. And that's just ordained by God. And I just think that the person that you are, you, you, you are very marketable. And like you just said, the only thing you need to do is, is win. And I'm going to ask you one more question. And then I, I'm, I'm, I'm out. So the mega fight was last, well, about two, three weeks, about three weeks ago. Yeah. Who are you going for, Terrence Crawford or Errol Spence, and why? Uh, I want Terrence Spence to win because Terrence Spence is a pressure fighter like me. Correct. That's but what my wife said. Terrence Crawford, he's so talented that you always, that I always thought there was a very big chance that he would win. But I would never have guessed that he would win on uh, by knockout like that. Because I was thinking Spence is so much bigger and he's been a welterweight for so much longer and taller and he has more reach. But, I mean, when I saw the fight, I was like, dude, what the hell? You know, it's like Terrence Crawford, he was just on another level. It was like they were playing two different games. Mm -hmm. And on the inside, where Errol Spence should have been the stronger, the bigger guy, I mean, Terrence Crawford was still manhandling him, so it was crazy. So, yeah. So what did you I, learn I, from that fight? That sometimes size doesn't matter that much. That sometimes, I think sometimes we fighters kill ourselves too much to make weight when it's when it's uh, good, when you would probably just be better off fighting at a higher weight. So if you so if they fought at one fifty four, do you think it'd be the same outcome? I don't know. You can never say because one punch changes everything. But unfortunately, throughout the history of boxing, a very good technical fighter who has good stamina and he's strong as well. Most of the time, they beat a very good strong pressure fighter. So, like you see it with many, when Floyd fought uh, Manny Pacquiao. Yeah. Like Sergio Martinez, he fought a lot of pressure fighters and he always beat them because he had the, the stamina and could keep moving like for all those rounds, you know. I mean, it's, it's hard. I don't, I don't think the weight will make that much of a difference because when you have the skills that Terence Crawford has, I don't think he's going is going to make that much of a difference. Yes, Spence might be more durable. Yes, he might be. Um, yes, he might be stronger because he he's go, he's not going to have to cut those seven extra pounds. But I mean, Terence Crawford at the moment he's just on a, on another level. Man, listen, I can keep asking you questions, questions, because, man, I, I just enjoy talking to you. But I know that we need to go. So I want to give you an opportunity to share a last word to the viewers. And we hope that you enjoyed this interview and that you would be willing to share it with your people in Malta. I would love for them to hear about this interview, this podcast show. This was a great show and you were a great guest. And we have an opportunity to enter into a different part of the world that we never even been to. So share with us, sir. Thank you. First of all, I would like to have a small, like a short message. 
for people to get in the training, whatever training that may it may be. Might not it doesn't have to be boxing because it's great for your physical health and your mental health, and it keeps you away from like bad things which will be will wreak havoc in your life in general, like drinking and drugs and smoking and stuff like that. Um, so. Stay away from drinking, drugs, smoking, and train, and you will have a good life. And no, you have to train. Don't stay away from training, <laughs> and you'll have a good life. And um, lastly, I want to thank uh, all my sponsors that have helped me throughout the years, and the current ones like uh, Port Fitness, Casanova, Bistino, um, Print Art. MWS promotion and uh, last but not least, Vergata. Um, they've been helping for a long time as well, along with for fitness. So I'm really grateful for my sponsors, and I hope that uh, through my career, I'm making you proud and you're getting some value back to it as well, which I know you are. But <laughs> very good, man, Christian. It was great to Thank have you. you on the show. Thank you for taking time out. Yes. What time is it there? Thank you for um, nine in the evening. Okay, very good. I have five a.m. alarm clock. Oh wow! <laughs> We're gonna let you get off so you can get your rest because you got to get you. back up in training. And man, we appreciate yes, you being on the you. Stafford Show. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. We out of here. Promotion. Stafford Boxing. The making of champions. The best. Thank you. Did Eric he Oh, Eric must have went somewhere. <laughs> no, it didn't. I was yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I like when they go. Tch, 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 tch.